Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Comics Journal called Ezra Clayton Daniels' Upgrade Soul truly one of the best comics of the year. And Heidi McDonald called it dazzling and disturbing. It's a science fiction that's grounded in a human. The story is as touching as the art is rich and luscious. Ezra Clayton Daniels is an illustrator based in Los Angeles, California. His work has been featured at the Fantoche International Animation Festival in Bonn, Switzerland the Fumetto International Comics Festival in Lucerne, Harlem Strip Dragon in the Netherlands, and the Whitney Museum. His new graphic novel, Upgrade Soul, was the recipient of the Dwayne McDuffie Award for Diversity in Comics. Ben Passmore's comics are visually gorgeous, sometimes psychedelic, illuminating explorations of race, police brutality, misogyny, and more. Comics Bulletin called it entertaining and comical and heartbreaking, everything an eye-opening experience should be. Ben Passmore is a Philadelphia-based cartoonist. He self-publishes Day Glow A-Hole, a comic series in equal parts about the apocalypse and anxiety. Ben's work has appeared in Vice, The Nib, As You Were, Irene, and Felony. His critically acclaimed mini-comic, The Black Sun, was the 2017 Dinky Award winner for Best Mini-Comic, an Eisner Award nominee for Best One-Shot, and winner of the Ignatz Award for Outstanding Comic. Incredibly fortunate to have Ben Ezra with us this evening. Please join me in giving them a warm welcome. Take your seat over there, Ben. Why? I don't <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for coming out, everybody. This is the fifth week of our book tour, and we've gotten to know each other very well. Yeah. We've gotten really good at doing uh, readings. Yeah, we have a natural. <laughs> Natural rapport now, right? With stage performance, <laughs> right? <laughs> a lot of back and forth. Did you lose my video? Um, it's possible. Ezra lost my black friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't you just talk for a few seconds? How, how's everyone doing? Yeah. Let's go around and introduce ourselves. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, I just drank a Red Bull. We'll see where that goes. <laughs> uh, I'm either really sleepy or incredibly abrasive. <laughs> we did a radio performance in Portland recently. Or no, we did interviews with a man. What was his name? Conch. Conch, yeah. <laughs> He looks like the kind of white guy that owns a lot of different kinds of hats. <laughs> he wasn't wearing a hat, but you could tell. Uh, he was like, you draw yourself, what do you say, very approachably. That was a whole thing. Which is definitely racist. <laughs> it's like Portland racism. I now know what it is. All right. So. <laughs> Did you find it? It's on the projector, so I'm thinking maybe we can just project it and then do the rest of it via iPad. Um, sure. Yeah. 
Sure. Or we have you have Wi Fi connection. We could just play it off of YouTube. Oh yeah, can we do that? Oh that's Mm. great. Off of my iPad? Yeah. Oh yeah, Vince Vince plug it in. We should just look at music videos. Vince Staples (laughs) Vince Staples came out with uh, what is that, an E P? Who knows? What is the difference between an album and an E P now? Thank you. No more than eight? Okay. What is a project? Project. There's no right answer. I think they I think they're just making it up. Bang. <laughs> or what uh, Vic Mensa had a capsule. He came out with a capsule recently like last year. What is a capsule? Oh it's a capsule. <laughs> you have all the answers. Thank you for coming to this reading. <laughs> we also went to 7-Eleven. You know a lot about 7-Eleven. Yes, I do. We should, we should get up here and talk about it. Okay. <laughs> okay. You told me to talk. Pass me this Red Bull. <laughs> this, is, this is only going to get better. Oh, they are 7-Eleven brand pretzels. Okay, do you want to talk about your your uh, little video? Sure. <laughs> Did you find it? Yeah, I'm pulling it up on YouTube right now. Okay, cool. Um, so, uh, I did a comic called Your Black Friend. It's about um, black alienation and white supremacy. I wrote it and drew it after reading, excuse me, um, uh, Black Skin, White Masks by Franz Fanon. People are familiar with that. They make you read in college sometimes. Um, And uh, I felt like it gave me a lot of language for things that I've been feeling. I was reading with a friend of mine named Greg, who is also a black punk in uh, the New Orleans punk scene, which is very white, uh, somehow. (laughs) Um, So the, uh, some fun trivia. So the main character is actually um, drawn based off of Greg and not me. and uh, yeah, so two friends of mine, uh, Alex Crocus and Crystal Downs, which comprise this animation studio, Doggo Studios, um, uh, animated it, and I did the voice, which will become apparent very quickly. Um, and I think they did a great job. Some things that we had to cut out for time were uh, a cop getting hit in the face with a brick. That's unfortunate. Um, I know. It's spiritually still a cop. <laughs> and, uh, and then there's a whole bunch of uh, talk about uh, anti-capitalism that we also cut. Um, but no. <laughs> no, it's still there. Buy my book. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the full introduction. Okay, ready? Yes. Your black friend is sitting in a coffee shop. He's eating a po' boy from a deli around the corner, even though he knows he's not supposed to. He's hoping the white gill will keep the barista from confronting him about it. Your black friend is listening to a conversation between a nicely dressed rich white lady and the barista. I saw this sketchy guy coming out of this backyard with a bike, and I called the cops right away. What did he look like? Oh, I don't know, like black and tall with dreads and black. The bike was blue with drop bars, a broken spoke, and a brown leather saddle. Was the house on uh, France Street? Did he have a nose ring? Yeah, I don't know. That sounds like Darren. He comes here all the time. That's his house. That's his bike. This is an important moment. Your black friend has seen this many times. A white person 
normally unaware of their racism, blunders in a moment in which it is totally undeniable. He knows that this woman will still not see it though. She is equally afraid of black people and the realization of that fear. It will take someone like the barista, seemingly woke and race savvy, to clarify what has just happened for the rich lady. But your black friend knows the barista will say nothing. What white people fear the most is making things awkward. Your black friend would like to say something to the racist lady, but doesn't want to appear to be that angry black man. He knows this type of person expects that from him, and he will lose before he begins. This is why I have white friends, he thinks. White people are allowed to be both angry and listened to, while he is expected to be mad cop. He wishes he could make you understand this and so many other things. Your black friend wonders if you know that unlike you, he has to constantly monitor his speech, affect, and dress relative to his environment. A misreading could mean the difference between being the black friend and being that black guy. Your black friend wishes you understood why he hates it, hates it when the barista calls him baby, like she's his auntie or any other black woman over the age of 50. Your black friend wishes you play more than Beyonce. There are more black performers than Beyonce, and he is worried that you do not know that. Your black friend hates it that you slide into black presentations thoughtlessly. He feels like you're mocking him with your black scent, but knows that you are totally unaware of it. Your black friend feels like a man without a country. Your black friend knows that he's valued both by black and white people for his close proximity to whiteness, but is also totally devalued for it simultaneously. He is lost in this contradiction and held responsible for it. Your black friend would like to forget all his fears and frustrations around race, but it's always impossible. some videos on YouTube on my computer and uh, one of the kids looked up and they were like oh because like you know on YouTube on your homepage it shows you what channels you're subscribed to yeah and they're like oh you're subscribed to black and sexy tv.com I don't know if you guys know black and sexy tv but it's just like super great like LA based like independent web series they do like really cool stuff sure it's just called like tour videos yeah, like twerk videos, like, like Issa Rae style stuff. Oh, cool, great. But yeah, so it was really embarrassing, and I couldn't explain to these Danish kids, like, the context, because, like, in L.A., like, y'all know, like, generally what I'm talking about if I'm, like, it's just, like, Issa Rae style web series. Right. But yeah, anyways. That's why I unplugged it really quickly, because you never know. Anyways. <laughs> Thanks for coming out, guys. <laughs> You guys are in for a wild ride tonight. That's uh, true. So I'm gonna, so 
Ben's, Ben showed you his video, I'm gonna read something, then Ben's gonna do something new that I've never seen Ben do before, that I just put together today, yeah. that I'm gonna do something else. So you guys are gonna get a good feel for like how like the stuff we do is really different from each other. Yeah. And then at the end, um, Ben and I collaborated on a book called Bottom Feeders that's coming out June 11th from Fanographics. Yep. And uh, <laughs> we're gonna read we're gonna read a super special sneak peek preview from Bottom Feeders, so you guys can see what that's gonna be like. Yeah, I'm very excited. It is very exciting. <laughs> I blanked out of the last part you said. Okay, I'm gonna read I'm gonna read the empathy one tonight. Okay. What do you think about that? As opposed to the aliens one. Yeah. I like the aliens one. Okay, I'll do the aliens one. <laughs> I want the empathy one. She wants the empathy one, Ben. It's not time for empathy. <laughs> <laughs> the election didn't go great for y'all. I don't vote, but <laughs> didn't go great for y'all. Well, they both are basically about the same thing, but one of them is more abstracted than the other. Yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds okay, great. so this is a little comic book I did called We Are Not Alone that um, was commissioned by a nonprofit in Chicago called Homeroom Chicago. It was made for Instagram. It's a very short uh, science fiction comic, and here we go. <laughs> I was seven when they first discovered it. All they knew was that it was headed straight for us. They said it would take three years to get here. That was four years ago. Some people were scared. Everybody else was excited. Nobody was more excited than me. I really thought they were coming to help us. Lord knows we needed it. We just had to show them we were hard workers and that we were ready to learn. A lot of people believe that. Things even started to get better. Every day they got closer, but we still didn't know anything about them. They never tried to talk to us. Their spaceship didn't have any windows or anything. Some people thought they were all dead inside, or the spaceship itself was the alien. The only thing everybody agreed on was that everything was about to change. Eventually, you could see it in the sky. They said it would reach us on January 13th. Every single person on Earth must have been looking up at the sky that day. But it didn't stop. It didn't even slow down. It just kept going like we weren't even here, and then it was gone. Maybe they saw us up close and changed their minds about helping us. Maybe they were just passing by on their way someplace better. We'll probably never know. Whatever it was, it was never for us. That's my little sci-fi comment. <laughs> the music seems super loud. Was it really loud? Okay. I know, I get so paranoid about that. <laughs> okay. We still heard you. Okay, cool. Thank you. <laughs> okay. We'll never read again. <laughs> um, yes, the dead meme show. Cool. <clears throat> so I. Yeah, yeah. So I do comics pretty regularly through the Nib. Uh, I do a lot of. Uh, I've done a bunch of long stories, but. Um, I was going to read like a bunch of short Johns, 
Oh, it's short comics? Sorry. <laughs> Philadelphia's infected me day one. <laughs> My friend Khalil was like, yo, you want to go down to the John and get the John? I was like, I don't know what you say, Khalil. <laughs> I think those are nouns. I need you to be more specific. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was going to read a bunch, of, a bunch of these guys. Or we were going to read them since we all have access to the text. How's that? Is that okay? I made a really good joke about this music. Oh, it's when I turned 35, this music just appeared in my iTunes. <laughs> washed man music. This comic is called Save the Bodega. I'm not into businesses. As my neighborhood gentrifies, the various corner stores we rely on have been disappearing. I'm not a corner store stand. They sell cheap, bad food in poor neighborhoods that have, been, that have limited options for groceries. But they try hard to cater to existing neighborhoods, or to the existing neighborhood. I'm going to tighten it up by the next one. Let me... <laughs> Is he about to rap? No. <laughs> Let me get a token, a Lucy, pink water ice with the gummy and uh, baby wipes. Rather than properly replacing or improving the previous stores, the new stores seem primarily interested in the richer and let's say whiter, whiter, for Bookie, residents moving in. What is a kale chip? Based on the price, I'm gonna say smartphone. Like many revolutionaries before me, I find myself sacrificing my body for a dubious cause. Let me get three pizza rolls and a quarter water. <laughs> and the bodega guy is saying, I'm getting fat. I'm not gonna try to do the Spanish because I suck at Spanish. Finesse the police. That's a reference. <laughs> but also fuck the police. A lot of people don't like when you talk bad about the police or even just describe actual bad things they do. They shot him over a squirt gun. Hating all cops is like hating black people. Yeah, but I feel like you hate black people though. Even a man I met who said he was beaten by the police while a man he knew was kidnapped and murdered by them during Hurricane Katrina was quick to say, there are some police that mean well. But even a nice cop's authority comes from an implicit threat of violence, death, or imprisonment. This is not to mention disparities in enforcement and unjust laws the quote-unquote the quote nice cop participates in without question. Oh, what's shaking, homies? Advocates of the police say we need them to stem violence, but there's a massive violence happening to people that they don't even care about. If there are good cops, they should stop being cops and start being something better. Want to help me burn my cruiser? Breaking up, breaking down. This is the most important comic I've done. <laughs> most essential. It's my core politic right here, get ready. I've been learning a lot after having a bunch of breakups in the last year. For one, my favorite rappers are unlistenable right now. You ain't shit, that's why I got you chip. Too true. <laughs> Accurate. Huh? Yeah, I am old. Dating apps have lost their luster. They're creative. I wonder if they'll think of new ways to crush my soul. 
Yeah, very sad. And people aren't here for your love drama during the Trump era. And then they was all like, I can't do this. That's crazy. Almost as crazy as our imminent nuclear annihilation. But the most important lesson I learned is that if you can grow from pain, you'll come out stronger and better than ever. I'm half the man-child I used to be. I don't think I can do this. Magamog. Yeah, get ready. Since January, so I, I wrote this after, you know, J20 after the election, so it was current at a time. It's not this year. Since January, I haven't been talking to my mother. I don't remember when it happened, but one day my mom told me she was voting for Trump. At the time, no one thought the hairpiece in chief was going to get anywhere near POTUS, but it was still worrisome to me. MAGA for the win. She's always voted Republican. Before, she dro before he dropped out, she'd been into Ben Carson because he was a Christian and had a sleepy speaking style that people mistook for down-to-earthness. Trump is also an idiot, but also a racist and only worships himself. Our father, who, who art is me, bigly doing the most blessed. My mom is white, and despite having a black son and living deep in a liberal state, very conservative. She's all about anti-immigration, anti-abortions, Blue Lives Matter, and keeping Christ in Christmas. Did you know black slaves usually didn't make it to 30 years old? Well, the Irish had it bad too, you know. This was a conversation I had with my mother. We've argued for years about all of this, but I'm worn out. If her black son can't convince my mom that marginalized people shouldn't be criminalized, who will? I realize that if politics are a vision of one's perfect world, my mom's perfect world is one in which I can't exist. It feels bad not speaking to her, but I've run out of things to say. <laughs> Here's some Halloween costumes to keep political conversations going through the holiday. Sexy trade war. Just try and flood me with your cheap steel. <laughs> Sexy gerrymandering. I'm gonna take away all your political power, baby, or what little you have. Sexy nationalism. Oh God, don't take me with your culture. Sexy impeachment. You know you want it. Shots. I like guns, but feel like they make a lot of situations unnecessarily dangerous. We're out of zebra cakes. Do you feel lucky, punk? Zebra cakes are delicious. I don't know if you have them. Okay, good. You shaking your head? We should stop this. <laughs> Go get zebra cakes. Right. Sorry. I was really sold on that opinion after someone tried to rob me a couple years ago. Give me that pipe. I was really shook. The way he had his, his hand in his pants looked like he had a gun. Yeezy! S swearing, <laughs> whatever, whatever the swearing is. While I was getting away, I realized he was just holding his pants up. If I had had a gun, I would have shot him instead of just taking shots. Where did you cop those jeans? 1996? More swearing. <laughs> shots, but with cops. Police have pointed guns at me about three times in my life. It's never affected me much in the moment. Run so I can shoot you. This is an actual quote. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was in New Orleans. I could tell you later. <laughs> the story is not funny. I was watching a TV show recently where it happened to a young man once, and he was a whole, he was a mess for a whole season. I'm hesitant to act tough because the perception of black men as tough and animalistic makes it easier for cops to shoot us, but it's not even toughness, it's fatalism. Black people are eight times more likely to be killed by guns in the United States. It's only a matter of time. But if I let them see me scared, they know they can control me with fear. Run so I can shoot you! But what if we skip? What about prison? <laughs> Just to keep the mood light. <laughs> uh, it bothers me when people say, some people just deserve to be locked up. The people I encounter that say this often have, oh, that say this often have never known anyone who's been incarcerated or been incarcerated themselves. My dad, brother, and two friends were all in prison. Do you know anyone in prison? These people don't understand the conditions of prisons and their long-term effects. Incarcerated people see more traumatizing things in a day than most people do in their whole lives. How's your cellmate? He said he killed his parents over micro-machines. <laughs> it was meant as a joke. It was an Xbox. It was a real story. <laughs> Uh, people say that evil people should be locked up forever, not thinking that dehumanization and punitive judgment might be key to making them evil. There's been, there has to be a better way, but be careful suggesting that. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. You don't have to keep punishing me after one little mistake, keeping me involved in probation, maybe drug court, keeping me from living with people in public housing. Okay. That's all the political content. <laughs> so I made this comic a long time ago that I wrote while I was hitchhiking for a while, because uh, I used to do that. Um, and it was shortly after I turned 30, um, so I wrote some weird stuff. So um, the, the comic goodbye is about a bunch of different things, but I was going to read the part that's like a polyamory myth. Does that sound exciting? We could just talk about polyamory. We could just discuss. <laughs> Get some people to try it out. <laughs> what could go wrong? So I was on a date recently, actually, and the, I had a whole conversation about polyamory, and then the lady was like, wait, but you have wives? You're polygamous? It's very awkward. <laughs> like, let's go back. All right, anyway, here's the comment. You know that myth about humans being originally four-armed, four-legged creatures until Zeus, scared of their power, split us in two? Which is kind of a weird tactic, but who am I to say? I don't know my Zeus from my Zeets. I think that's one of his kids. That story's crap anyway. It didn't happen like that at all. You see, we are all at this really dope party. It was one of those intimate summer parties before the Bay Area kids from West Pangea showed up. And Aquaman hadn't evicted all those kids from the Atlanta squad. Fuck you, aristocrat. Whatever, I can talk to fish. It was just us. A 
Alone, together in the night, there was freedom between all of us at once. Then the sun came. Ugh, this fucking guy. We tried to keep things going. Someone suggested we all get together and have breakfast. But inevitably, we just drifted apart. Some of us still hang out, but it's not the same. We're all looking for all the things we used to get from just one or two of us. And it's not enough, is it? We're missing our constellation of friends. No, that doesn't make me feel any better about group sex. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Thank you. One, two, one, two. <laughs> okay, that's all. <laughs> So the whole reason that we went on tour for the past five weeks was to promote my new book, Upgrade Soul, which just came out, uh, I guess, like a month and a half ago now. It's been out for a little bit of time. It took me 15 years to finish it, so it's really exciting for it to finally be out in the world. Uh, so I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to read the first chapter of Upgrade Soul so you can get a feel for what that's like. And then if you want to know more, um, they have a lot of copies for sale. Uh, oh, yeah, it's on a Ready, assistant? Whenever you are, doctor. Very good. Release the specimen. What do you think she'll do, doctor? Well, assistant, I think she'll try to get the food. She always goes for the food when she gets loose in the house. That's why I put all those traps around it. My favorite one is the domino trap. Shall I explain how it works? By all means, doctor. See, if Contessa tries to get the food there, she'll bump into that cereal box, which will make the other cereal boxes fall down. And then she'll be trapped. Brilliant. You've clearly put a lot of thought into this experiment, Doctor. And what do you hope to learn from all this? Um, how to trick Contessa into falling for my traps? Maybe we should... Meow! Oh, heavens! Ah, don't let it get Contessa! It's that darn Gunderson cat. Honey, stand back. I'm going to get him under this basket. Shoo, you beast. Oh my god, Molly, you totally saved Contessa's life. Molly, you are so awesome. Thank you, doctor. The two most important things to remember in the lab 
are to always remain calm and level-headed in an emergency. I hear you. And to always learn from your mistakes. You mean like next time we should set up a laser turret with a motion sensor to guard against stupid cats? Exactly. No, there's more. <laughs> Can we leave the Gunderson cat out there for a while to think about what he's done? Oh, I suppose he'll be okay out there for a little while. Good, because I'm still really upset about this whole thing. I know you are, honey. Uh-oh, Dell, look who just walked in. Oh, no! Well, look who it... No, I don't want to go home yet! Don't you start, Del. What did we talk about? No more tantrums at Molly's. Daddy, don't you want to see the experiment me and Molly made? Come on, Del. We got to get you home and get you fed before you go to your mom's. I don't want to go to stupid mom's. I hated at mom's. I'm not playing. Get your things, baby. But can I say goodbye to Uncle Hank first? Fine, but hurry up. Here's a knapsack. So, Hank told me about Via. Are you in on this too? In on it? Please talk some sense into my brother. He's never been too keen on my advice. You don't need to worry about Hank. He's a big boy, and I'm a big girl. You're really the last person we need to hear advice from. Wow, I'm surprised, Molly. I was hoping you'd be the voice of reason in this situation. I am. Have a little faith in us, Cliff. Heck, it'd be awful nice to have our blessing. You should be asking for my prayers, not my blessing. Bye, Uncle Hank. Bye, Uncle Hank. Ah! Boy, you're really going to get it now, you little turkey. Bye, Molly. See you Wednesday. Goodbye, you two. Bye, Aunt Molly. I love you. See you Wednesday. You wouldn't think that was so funny if you had any idea what abuse I endured on the court today, Molly. Bye, honey. I love you, too. Molly? Molly. Dr. Molly Nonner, this is Dr. Kenton Kalos. If you can understand me, I want you to try to move your right index finger. Please, Molly, it is very important that you do not try to speak until I instruct you to. Please tap your finger once if you understand me. All right, I'm going to take that as a positive. Molly, I'm about to remove several layers of bandages from over your eyes. This may be painful at first. If the pain becomes too much, please tap your finger and I'll stop. Do you understand? That's a positive. Molly, you've been unconscious and immobile for a significant period of time. You may experience severe muscle pain if you attempt to move too abruptly. I want you to try to remain as still as you can until I finish removing your bandages. Heart rate and blood pressure rising, Dr. Kalos. Molly, please try to remain calm. Your body has experienced a severe trauma. I understand you must feel very confused and afraid, but we are all here to make this as easy as possible for you. Garth, is the voice modulator responding yet? 
Yes, she should be able to speak now. Did you hear that, Molly? Whenever you are ready, you may try to speak. Please be patient, Molly. It may take some time for the modulator to settle. What happened? It's complicated. Hank? Your husband, Hank, is right here next to you. He's being kept in an incubation unit. He is still in a comatose state, but he is in very stable condition. See him? Molly, as I said, your bodies have experienced a severe trauma. I don't know if it would be wise at this point. Show! Molly, please do not try to move. Your muscles are not ready for... Molly, please try to remain calm. Your body has experienced a severe trauma. Hank, show me. Uh, yes, of course, but please, Molly, please do not overexert yourself. Garth, can you arrange Mr. Nanner's incubator so that, so that Molly can see him? Of course, Dr. Kalos. Molly, please try to relax. I'm going to warn you now. What you are about to see may be difficult to comprehend. Just know that we are here to help you through this. We are all in this together. Okay, Dr. Kalos, whenever she's ready. Molly, Hank is right here. If you turn your head slightly to the right, you should be able to see him. I assure you, Molly, despite his appearance, this is your husband, Hank. This will be difficult for you, Molly. All I ask is that you trust us. That was the first chapter of Upgrade Soul. That was it. All right. So now you got a sense for the stuff Ben does. You got a sense for the stuff I do. And uh, I really fell in love with Ben's stuff a couple years ago at Cake, Chicago Alternative Comics Expo, is where we first met. And I found Ben's stuff to be very inspiring and sexy. <laughs> And as you can see, the stuff I do is generally pretty earnest, and I wanted to do something that was a lot more fun, and I thought Ben would be a perfect person to um, work with on that. So I wrote this story, and Ben illustrated it, and we spent a couple years working on it, and it's finally done. And we're going to give you guys a special sneak peek preview of this. Yeah. You said this is the one that's coming out next year? Yeah. Okay, you said all stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this one's called Bottom Feeders. <laughs> See the four-pointed crown up there? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That's three, plus the New World Order equals four. That's just basic Illuminati numerology. The clues are everywhere. You just have to open your eyes. They're very active wherever there's a lot of blacks. You know the blacks were invented by the Jews, right? Wait, what? Using reptilian hybrid technology. Don't you ever read history? 
The influence is everywhere in the ghetto. They conduct mass experiments here so nobody notices. Reptilians are fucking diabolical, bro. I bet you there's something going on in this building. The last two readings are... We're zero, and that ain't normal. <laughs> Maybe they're just so poor they never turn on the lights or watch TV or nothing. Nah. They ain't even enough power to keep the goddamn line hot. That means something else is going on. What are you doing, Patrick? Let's just report it. What, are you scared? I just want to take a look. What's in there? Well, it sure ain't up to code. God, it's all wet. Jesus. Hand me the cable cutters, will you? Ugh. Sound effect. <laughs> That's new. I like it though. I usually just say snip. <laughs> <laughs> ah! 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 Shit! Ah! Jesus! Ah! Ah! What the hell happened? What was in there? Are you alright, Patrick? There's something in there, and it ain't normal. Bro, you gotta go to the hospital, your nose! Some kind of big, dark, part snake! <laughs> I knew, I knew there was something going on here. Goddamn reptilian hybrids, Dennis! I gotta get proof. Gotta get inside. Patrick, we're going to the hospital! Ugh! Hey, you living here? I need to come inside real quick into your basement. Hey! What happened to the lights? Cynthia? Hey, uh, Donna, it's me, Jean. You look spooked. Why you look so spooked? My name is Darla. I'm not spooked. I'm fine. Oh, okay, got it. Pretty crazy, huh, this, uh, power outage? This never happened here before. I'm serious. I haven't had the building that long, though. But you know, this is a raw space, so things happen. You understood that when you signed the lease, right? Yeah, it's fine. I'm sure you'll get it fixed when you... Hey, see? There you go. Man, things always seem to just work themselves out here. This... <laughs> you'll see. You're gonna love it here. So, hey, I noticed you had the back door propped open. You can't do that here. This is the bottom yard. I got some uh, stuff in the building worth a lot of money, and I'll need some crackheads wandering around here and... Uh... Yeah, okay. I'll remember that next time I move in. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. So like I said before, I think I mentioned this, the washing machines haven't arrived yet. Uh, so what I'm gonna do, I think I'm gonna go ahead and get some complimentary cables set up for you guys. How's that? Yeah, I'd rather have laundry, to be honest. Sure, sure, yeah, I know. Well, the thing is, the place doesn't have the right plugs or whatever, so I don't wanna bore you with the details. Anyway, you're gonna love the cable, all 12 golf channels and everything. 
Whatever, that's fine, Gene. Anything else? No, no. I just think you're gonna love it here. You're perfect. I love artistic people. Cynthia? Hey, who's there? It's just me. Where have you been? PCB? Damn. All the lights went out and I started. <laughs> I got started. So now I'm sitting here proving by the light of my phone. I'm unusually vulnerable here. Power's back on. Just toggle the switch. Oh, thank God. Hey, are you trembling? I just got chased into the building by a crazy shirtless handyman. Ooh, that sounds kind of hot. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> Dude, have you seen the toilet? It's like totally reinforcing concrete. It's like shitting into a tiny little bomb shelter. The only thing you unpacked this whole time was the whiskey? Ugh, Darla. I needed something to calm my nerves. This place is mad creepy. Okay, watch. You'll be begging to move in once it's all... Glorp. What the hell was that? It sounded like someone said glorp. Glorp. After a bottom feeder. <laughs> all right, so that's all the comments we got to read for you guys. Yes. Thanks so much for coming out. Yeah. I think we're going to do a little QA now if you guys want to stick around if you have questions for us. If not, that's also fine. Yeah, if you guys want to just talk, we're no going to stick around oh, until yeah. they kick us out. Yeah, we could just chat. Yeah, we could just riff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are totally not tired of that. <laughs> But yeah, does anybody have any questions for us? Comments? Any advice? How is the music level? Okay. <laughs> you don't have to lie. No, okay. I want this relationship to be honest. Okay. <laughs> That's good. I always want it to be really, really loud, and Ezra's always like reaching in the middle of my reading, like hitting, because we have this tiny little projector. He's like, no, it's too loud. You're like my, my neighbor. <laughs> my life. We've totally embraced our Felix and Oscar roles on this trip. Yeah. But Felix was the the neat one, and Oscar was the sloppy is one. Is this right? Felix the cat? No, this is Felix the odd couple. Oh, the odd. You didn't even know what I was talking about this no. whole time. No, I've had no, no idea what you're talking about. I was about. like, he's been talking about it for a month. For a month. Like, oh, okay. Felix the yeah. cat had a friend. I was like, okay. I was like, the two yeah. getting close to the end. I was like, oh, I'm gonna miss you. You've totally become the Oscar to my Felix. I was texting. Yeah, we were <laughs> and then I was like, "Aw, you had no clue what I was talking no, about." No, I mean, I understood the I was spirit. About Felix the cat and some cartoon character I had no Oscar idea. that like doesn't even exist. I don't know. You're talking about two old white guys. I don't know. <laughs> does, does everybody in the audience know the Odd Couple? We can talk about the Odd Couple. A little. Yeah. Thank you. With these references, yeah, you got it in the back. Yeah. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> so we, uh, I flew to P uh, Philadelphia, where Ben lives. I live in L.A., in Lomar Park. And uh, we got on an Amtrak yes. in Philadelphia, more or less. And we went to, well, 
this is our second to last stop. We're going to Riverside on Friday, Riverside, California, to do some stuff at UC Riverside. But where and have we been, Ezra? At the very end, we'll have hit 20 cities yes. and done 22 stops yes. in five weeks. Did they pay for you to do that? Who? Who? <laughs> George, Wait, who? The George Soros check is yeah. coming, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the list is we, we're in Philly, New York, uh, Pittsburgh, Chicago, St. Louis, Denver, Boulder. Well, I did some stops Ben didn't do in the middle of the country. That, that's true. Because Ben has no interest in reaching out to middle America. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> so I did Kansas City, Omaha, Sioux City, Iowa, my right. hometown. Right. Then we reconvened, went to Denver, Salt Lake, San Francisco, Oakland, Portland, Tacoma, yeah. Seattle, and now L.A. Yeah. What is the name of the country that you did? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a, well, it was a tough, the stuff we do is a tough sell. But in my hometown, I got like the the total like home like homecoming hero kind of welcome. They put me on the front page of the newspaper. Oh, it was yeah. a really cute thing. And, like so cute. all my family came out. Did it at the like the Sioux City Art Center, which is like the big arts venue in my hometown. Yeah. And like all these people I went to high school with came out, and they're like, <laughs> "Yo, I haven't seen me for 20 years." It was pretty cool. It was fun. I sold a lot of books. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> Some of your friends had funny things to say. Yeah, as they, they don't have to talk about that. As they would. <laughs> you are messy. <laughs> um, this is being recorded. Oh, it is being recorded. Yeah. I respect everybody. You, Where? you just admitted that we got a check from George Soros, too, and we didn't realize it was going to be recorded. Oh, that's on my author bio, though. Oh. <laughs> that. Okay, okay cool. thank you. <laughs> but are you an agent? <laughs> Your reptilian agent. Yeah. What's up? Do you see the inevitable uh, adaptation of Bobby Beers as animated or live action? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Well, what? I, I don't know. I have this sort of. I feel like there might be better fidelity if it's animated than if. Like, cause I almost feel like if they try to do live action, they'll also try to do some sort of like genre tweak or something. That's my opinion. My opinion is that I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I just want it to get done. And like, I'm just like, I feel like we told the story the way we wanted to tell it. And like, that'll always exist no matter what happens. So like whatever the creative team or whatever that's doing the movie wants to do, I feel like within reason, like if they want to white whitewash it, I'm going to like throw a fit, but like, yeah, right. I'm down. That's true. I, and I'd like it to be something new, too, because, I mean, that was, like, the one mm -hmm. really exciting thing about working with Ben is, like, I wrote this as a film script years ago, and I polished it off with the intention to, to draw it as a comic, but I've been working 15 years on this one, and I was like, I don't want to spend another 15 years working on, working on a comic, so I'm going <laughs> to trick somebody else into doing it, and so I got this guy to do it, and he brought so much more to it that I, like, didn't even anticipate and, like, made it something more than it would have been if I did it myself. So I'm really excited about the idea of like working with other creative people to see what they would add to this story. That's real. Whatever happens, I would like to have like the most menial task on the film studio. <laughs> and if someone's like, oh, so what's like your deal, Ben? I'll be sweeping and I'll be like, I drew the comic this <laughs> time. <laughs> That'd be a very appropriate role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In comics? Um, I don't know, Ezra. How do I shoot? <laughs> what inspired you to try to get? Oh, to get. 
Well, I mean, oh, uh, so like, so I'm an anarchist, and that's um, that's like a, a holistic politic. So my feelings about capitalism are sort of not like I can't separate it from like a general critique. Um, so like, so you're not political. no, no. Um, I mean, there's only. You know, I've been doing uh, political comics for the Nib, like very literal polit political comics for the Nib, um, obviously, you know, often based on my experiences. Um, but that's kind of more recent. Before, um, I mostly did the series called Day Glow a -Hole, which was like a post-apocalyptic, weird, like punk sci-fi thing. And part of my like motivation for that was to try and make something that felt very anarchist, but not like direct. Um, cause you know, like I, I had dabbled, I did some dabbling in political comics before that. And I felt like the only people that read those things were people that were going to agree with me. Um, and I didn't feel like, and so like if I was making a comic to try and anticipate someone sort of compartmentalizing what I was producing, then I was never going to be able to talk about the nuances of things. Um, so that's why I did sort of weird sci-fi stuff and I didn't necessarily speak like say this is an anarchist comic or have a really likable protagonist that was like an anarchist um like so i mean i don't other than me writing about critiques of capitalism which i haven't done a lot of i'm not a scientific marxist i don't really want to break down free markets um i i have read boring things about it but you know i haven't felt specifically motivated to write about it that way what i tend to want to write about um, <clears throat> or what I am the most excited about writing about is how uh, hierarchies um, and inherent uses of force are alienating personally and with relationships with people. And, you know, my critiques of market capitalism are involved in that. Um, and maybe I'll do something more direct later. But um, I feel like particularly... I don't, I don't think any of the themes that are happening under the Trump era are particularly new to me. Like, I was definitely like raising the flag of alarm of like fascists years before Trump got elected. Um, but I feel like for me, the literal political comics I've been doing for the NIV um, are, are particularly aimed at trying to talk about anti-fascism or, you know, like either very directly or like very broadly. And that feels like a timely thing to write about. Um, so I think maybe when we get another liberal that's, you know, mostly focused on um, black sites and <laughs> drone and drone strikes and uh, locking up whistleblowers, I will maybe settle back into my comfort zone of writing about market capital. So that's a long response. It's not really a response. Well, I think it's cool. It inspires me, you know, Angie Butler, like, she, she tried to explore social justice scenarios in comic strips and she tried to roll up real. Sure. I mean, we also, oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, me and Octavia Butler, I love Octavia, Octavia Butler, uh, we're not, like, we don't have the same politics, you know what I mean? Like, the concepts of, of the social injustice, like, I have different feelings about what those words even mean. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got different goals.
Anyone? Anyone experience disappointment? Uh, I just wanted to follow up with regard to um the comic, animated live action etc. Um, did you find working on the your black friend short with Alex enjoyable? And do you, I mean you don't think it's so much in the like the contractual stuff that uh working with fan graphics is different than working with Silver Sprocket? And do you have the autonomy to if you did find it enjoyable and would like to do it again could you do an animated version of the first chapter of Bottom Feeders to pitch around? Or like would you consider doing that? W- was it fun? Would you do it again? Mm. That's like, that's interesting. I mean that's sort of like, like your black friend was something I created and then Alex and Crystal were my friends and that was like, that was a handshake deal as someone, yeah. someone described it. Is that right, Kim? But um, uh, but you know, Bottom Feeders is, is like something me and Ezra did together and, and Ezra's like the last word on, on that stuff. So, so the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would be a part of that team. Like I, uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, w- I would definitely be a part of that team if asked for sure. I, yeah, I, I actually was thinking about that um, with regards to just like doing a, like a book trailer kind of thing, yeah. but like maybe doing it animated. I, thought, I think that'd be super cool if we could find the budget for it. Sure. I think fan graphics would just be down with whatever. Like they're mm-hmm. like they're just like whatever you guys want to do. I think they'll support us and maybe try to find some money to help us do stuff. But I don't think they would be against that. Yeah. And yeah, but I think like with regards to the bottom feeders movie, um, I I don't think we would have any reason to try to pitch something because it's already like in like pre-production or whatever so yeah yeah i mean in terms of i mean comparing and contrasting fan graphics and silver sprocket would be super interesting <laughs> interesting for us and no one else yeah that's a bigger question yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh does anyone else want to talk about something Yeah, I think, um, th- yeah, I, I like, I like doing the readings a lot, and like, and like, so the Upgrade Soul thing you guys saw me do was actually an interactive iOS app that was developed for, um, iPhone, that's why it had all those animations and stuff in it, and so like, in the development of that with this guy, Eric Lawyer, we developed all these, like, philosophies around, like, how to, like, make comics interactive, but still keep it comics-like, right. um, so we definitely, like, I had that a lot in mind when I was doing slideshows which is done in keynote with like very simple transitions but there's a couple points where like I had like there's like a smooth um, dissolve transition for every slide except for a couple of slides where there's supposed to be like a like a punchy hit or like when the light comes back on in the building that's like there's no transition on that one it just hits and so I definitely was keeping that in mind um, just as far as like the slideshows go to like make it um, land better but yeah I mean I think there's things that comics do like especially well like of visual storytelling that are unique to comics that are like not really 
it's like not possible to like recreate that in this form and definitely like <clears throat> like uh, in the past I've done I've like presented like David Alejo's stuff but I never really felt like it works super well for this format for that reason it's like very much a comic um, so you know it's like kind of like when like when I do readings I'm like I'll pick the real wordy stuff you know because I can make like funny voices and stuff but um, it's like inter it's interesting to do but honestly the first time someone presented me with the idea I was like that's fucking dumb <laughs> why would you take why would you make a bunch of introverts come out to a place and then be like well you know this thing which what's nice about it is you take it home and you control the speed and how fast. I'm just gonna take the fucking driving wheel away from you and just do it. Be like, hey, look at this cool thing I drew. It feels like bringing shit to my mom to be like, look, it's supposed to be a dog. Isn't that great? Um, but it's cool. Thanks for coming to the reading. <laughs> You're more charitable than me. I never go to me. Anybody else? All good. Well, we're going to hang out for a little bit, so if you guys have any questions one-on-one, -on -one, you can ask us, and we got books for sale up there. Uh, thanks so much for coming out, everybody. It was super cool to see everybody. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.